Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verses 1 through 3, the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, once you've found it, if you would stand with it, good to have Joshua again with us. You know, this is more than three times he's been with us. Now we consider him one of us crazy people. And uh, Joshua, we're glad you're here with us. This is at least four or five, so you're definitely a part. We definitely claim you. Uh, but, hey, I am glad for everybody that was able to go to Brookdale last yesterday. We did have a good time of fellowship. Uh, it was nice, a little bit windy. Their music was a little bit loud, but, you know, we did, we did have a nice time. And uh, I hope the kids enjoyed it. So I enjoyed it. I even got on that little train with Lila and uh, rode behind that thing, you know. So, yeah, you all didn't think I could do something like that, but, you know, I did. And uh, it's making memories, and so we did. And I'm glad the Hawks were able to uh, join us, too, and um, for that. So Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 1. says, Then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea, and as the Lord spake unto me, and we compassed Mount Seir many days. And the Lord spake unto me, saying, Ye have compassed this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. I want to talk for a few minutes this morning about where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Would you pray with me, Father in heaven? We love you this morning. We thank you for the privilege to stand before this congregation And Father, we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost like never before. Would you anoint us this morning to speak your word? And Lord, we pray that your word would find lodging place within each of our hearts. Challenge us, Father, to a closer walk, a closer relationship with you. Would you bless our church, I pray. And Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Where do we go from here? We've already had our revival and, uh, and celebrated the anniversary of the church. When, uh, a couple weeks ago, I repeated the message about um, one of the ones I preached, I think, one of the first time, I, you know, it, Home Depot's motto, uh, let's build something together. You know, we talked about that. And I, I really looked for I had another one for Lowe's. It's never stop improving, and I couldn't find it. I just, I, 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 and I must not have been meant to preach it this morning, but I was thinking that I, I had had those uh, because I'd printed a lot of house wrap for Lowe's, and I'd seen millions and millions of square yards of lots, uh, never stop improving. Never, and you know what? That's a good motto for a church. Let's not stop improving. Let's never stop improving. But I, I want to talk about where do we go from here? We passed our 10th anniversary into our 11th year, folks. People thought we'd never make it 10 days, 10 weeks, 10 months. And here we are 10 years. I think it's a significant milestone. And, and you know, I, it's a time for me as a pastor to reflect back, you know, what have we done? We, we sat down one time uh, not long after we had started with Brother Metzger, and I, I wanted him to point out, what, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Where, where are we at? And, uh, you know, I, I really wanted him to be truthful with uh, Brother Hughes and I, and we had a good discussion. And now at 10 years, I look back, and it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What are, where are we at? It's kind of a way to reflect back. But you know what? At the same time, I want us to be looking in the future. Because where do we go from here? Where do we go from this point? You know, I, I, I believe in a couple of things when it comes to the two important churches uh, lessons about the church that we need to um, 
learn from in an event like this anniversary is that the church is not placed here by accident. I don't believe that Safe Haven Tabernacle is smack dab in the middle of Romney by accident. I believe God had a plan and a purpose for us. And, and you know, I, I believe, too, that God uses people to reach other people. God uses you to reach other people, and that's why we're here. It's not just us four and no more. We're here to reach other people for the kingdom of God. And so where do we go from here? I remember when we lived in Hancock and we subscribed to, I don't know, whatever newspaper we'd pick up at the store. We didn't really subscribe to it, but uh, that it had a picture on the front of it with all these little kids getting off a school bus. First day, you remember, I, I, I can't remember. I know I went to kindergarten. I know I did, but I don't remember the very first day. Maybe you do. Maybe some of you are young enough you remember your first day of school. But the caption was, while they're getting off the school bus, it's like these nervous kindergartners, where do we go from here? Where do we go? It's like walking into the unknown you know, or your first day of high school, Jacob, you know, walking into the unknown. i like, where do I go from here? And, you know, kind of like that with the church. Where do we go from here? And so I want to outline some things. So when you look at um, uh, Deuteronomy, it's kind of like that with the children of Israel. When it says they compassed Mount Seir many days, that was actually 13,870 days equals 40 years. God never intended for them to wander around in the wilderness. He wanted them to enter into the promised land, but it was because of a whole generation that didn't believe God, starting with the spies that came back and said, hey, we're like grasshoppers in our sight. We'll never make it. We'll never be able to conquer the promised land. And God let them wander around for 40 years. It was one long funeral, one after another, until they buried a whole generation. Then God told uh, uh, Joshua and Caleb, said, hey, let's go and possess the land. That's a, Could you imagine? Where do we go from here? You know, God says it's time. It's time. Verse 3, you've come past the mountain long enough. Now it's time to enter the promised land. And the future's uncertain. We don't always know what the future's like. We, it's, the future can be scary because we don't know what we're stepping into. You know that? It really can. It can be frightening because we don't know what lies ahead. But let me tell you where we don't go, first of all. These are the places we don't go. We don't want to go the way that seems right to you. The Bible warns us, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We don't want to go the way that just seems right to us. We don't want to go the way of compromise, folks. We don't. I, I, I believe in standards and convictions. We don't want to compromise. And I, This church has been uh, built uh, on faith and trust in Christ, first of all, but then also we're a holiness church, and we do not want to compromise what we say. We can fill the pews if we just change uh, what we believe in, but we're not going to do that. We're just not going to do that. And so we're not going to go the way of compromise. We're not going to go on the broad way. There's lots of room on the Broadway, lots of people on the Broadway, but the Broadway leads to destruction. We're going to stay on the narrow way. 
And so, and we're not going to go back. Any man that put his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. We're not going to live in the past. Past is already gone. We're not going to go back there. But I think 10 years is a significant milestone. And even according to our dedication thing, we've owned the building for five years. We came, started this, was dedicated in, in October of 2018. So five years here. Five years in a garage. I don't want to go back to a garage. I thank God for what he's blessed us with, Brother Daniel. I thank God for where he's brought us from. And you know what? But I believe he's got a great future for us. I really believe it, folks. I think our best days are ahead. And so I want us to look at that. We think about Israel's history and uh, what God had brought them through. And think about our history the past 10 years and where God now wants to lead us. And so, you know, I, I, I believe we're here to serve notice to the devil that we're here. We're here to stay. We're here to take over. You know, we're not content to leave this neighborhood. I want people to know Safe Haven Tabernacles here. I want people, I've said it before, I want people to pass by our property and feel the presence of God just vibrate over this uh, from this building. I, I, I like for people to feel such a presence of God because this is holy ground. I really would. I believe it can happen. And in the meantime, we're going to keep working. We're going to keep waiting for the Lord to come. We're going to keep watching. We're going to keep doing something. We're going to stay active. And you know, all that's already gone on, sometimes I wonder, what would God think about Safe Haven Tabernacle? You look at the book of Revelations, and so many of them, you know, oh, you're doing good things, but I have some odd against you. One of the churches, you've left your first love. Another church, Brother Hughes mentioned, you know, they were lukewarm. What would God say about Safe Haven Tabernacle? That's what's really important. We can do a lot of good things, but if your heart's not right, if you're backslidden, if you're not praying and reading your Bible, you're really just not, you know, half-hearted about things, what would God say about us? But let's look um, in, in this chapter, with this chapter in mind, and we think about our future, maybe the next 10 years if the Lord tarries I want to lay things out. I don't know what the Lord has for Brother and Sister Jeffries. I really don't know. We don't have some kind of crystal ball. I really don't have anything planned. I, I don't have anything in mind. I plan to stay around and torment you until God leads us someplace else. I hope you don't feel that way. You know, oh, we're ready for them to leave. We're praying Brother and Sister Jeffries leave. You know, I have no nothing, nothing on, you know, I'm not coming in surprising you with a resignation, nothing like that yet. So don't, you know, I know you're disappointed. But anyhow, I want us to go on, number one, with a vision. Let's go on with a vision. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. We have got to have a vision. You know, that, it lets me know as a pastor, I've got to be the visionary. I've got to be the one that instills the vision in you and say, hey, you know what? Yes, we can do this. And we've already proved it with some things that we put our talent together, we put our efforts together, and we've been able to accomplish some good things and had a good time doing it. It's been fun, you know? Love your neighbor day is a lot of work. 
but it's fun. You know, I've tried to tell you, evangelism can be exciting. And we're out there witnessing to people, passing out tracts or whatever. But we need a vision. And it's up to me to capture a vision and pass it on to you and say, hey, folks, look at this. We can do this. We can do this. You know, Israel was given a vision of the promised land. And God's telling them, you can have this. You're going to have to fight some battles for it, but you can have it if you want it. You know, and see, it says there, with what happens when there is no vision, people perish. You know, when there's no vision for the people outside, then that means we're not evangelizing, we're not reaching them for Christ. But what happens inside the church when there's no vision, you become bored. You're no longer interested. You find other hobbies or interests, and you go other places, and you're just not interested anymore. And so we need a vision for the inside of the church as well as the outside, because where there is no vision, the people perish. And you know, that's why you've got to give me freedom to dream, folks. I had a dream about a live nativity a dream about a love your neighbor day. And you've let me dream and you've caught on. You've caught the vision. And we've enjoyed it. Had a good time doing it. But you know what? I've got to have the freedom to dream no matter how crazy it may seem. Go along with me. Vision gives us direction. We go where our vision is. It's easy to walk forward. We walk into the future. It's difficult walking backwards because I don't know what's back there to trip over, but we walk where our vision is. I've got to have a vision. Our church needs a vision. Where will we go? We go on with a vision for the future. I don't want us just to shrivel up and die. That's the last thing God wants us. There's too many other churches already doing that. They're shriveling up. There's no life there. You know, we need a vision. And so we go where our vision is. Now, the next thing is we got to go forward with a message. We need a message. And that comes from the Word of God. We've got to have a message of repentance. That was John the Baptist, repent. we got to have a message of deliverance. You can be set free from your bondage. we got to have a message of hope. A message. It's a great commission. We're to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. We don't need to change our message as long as we're lifting up Jesus Christ, folks. That's the most important thing. You know, there are other groups of people meeting together this morning, but they're not lifting up Jesus Christ. You know, he's the one that's going to give you deliverance. He's the one that's going to give you hope. He's the one that's going to bring the victory. He's the one that's going to set the captive free. It's in Jesus Christ. we got to remember, he's the message. He's the message. It's not about me. This church is not built on me. If this was built on me, then it's built on the wrong foundation. Jesus Christ has got to be the focus of our message. You know, we've got to go forward with a message. Let's not lose our message. You know, I, I want what's preached from this pulpit to be truth. Whether it's me, whether it's Brother Hughes, whether it's a guest speaker. You know what? That's why we just don't fill our pulpit with just anybody to come through here. 
I want to make sure their life lines up with the Word of God. we got to know those that labor among us. That's why we're not just going to open our pulpit to just anybody. They got to be have. They got to make sure they got the message. You know, it's a message you need to hear. Come on. We need to go forward next with a burden. We got to have a burden. You know, if the church doesn't get a burden for the lost, who will? I've said it this morning. Said it in Sunday school. If we're not praying for the lost, who will? We got to have a burden for the lost. We got to have a burden for souls. We got to feel some kind of urgency, folks. When you look at what's going on in the Middle East, I just think time is short. We need to get in, make sure that our loved ones are in the ark of safety before time runs out. You know what? When we have our, our, our prayer meeting for the unsaved tonight, if we just come and would say, you know, and pray over these souls like it's your best friend, it's one of your children, it's your mom or dad, and pray with an urgency because time is running out. If we don't pray for them, who will? We got to have a burden, a burden for souls. We have some of our activities, and we are out there in the parking lot. Let's get a burden for those souls. Maybe they came to see a camel, but they'll leave with a track in their hand. They'll leave knowing that somebody here cares for them. You got a, when, you, when you've got a burden for somebody, it means you care for their soul. If the church is not concerned, who will be? We need a sense of urgency. Next one, what are we going to do? We're going to go on with an anointing. Folks, we got to have the anointing. I got to have the anointing when I stand to preach before you. We've got to have the anointing every time we teach a Sunday school class. I've got to have the anointing. You need the anointing when you come up here to sing. Got to have the touch of God. I I've heard some people that weren't real good singers, but they had such an anointing on them. They were so anointed. We need to go on in the next ten years with anointing that comes from spending time in the presence of God. We need the anointing of God upon our lives. It's the anointing. It breaks the yoke. The Bible tells us. I've got to have the anointing. We've got to go on. Let me go on a couple more. We've got to go on with boldness. You know that? The righteous are as bold as lions. It's the Holy Ghost that gives the church boldness. Let's go on with boldness. We got enough Christians that are timid, that are shy, that are scared of their shadow. Let's get boldness in our backbone and go on with boldness. Paul, it was that said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You know why? It's the answer people are looking for. We need boldness. Next one, I'm hurrying. I'm almost done. Let's go on with unity. You know that? I like for our church to be so bound with unity. Does that mean we're all going to think alike? No. You know, when two people think alike, one of them's not necessary. When two people think, you know, we're not going to all have the same opinion about things, but we can still have unity. How good the Bible says and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. 
That's what the, you know, that's Psalms 133, verse 1. How good and how pleasant it is. And folks, we're not the Ruritan Club. We're not the Rotary Club. We're not the Eagles, the Iguanas, the Elephants, the Giraffes. We're not any of that. We're a church. We're body, the body of Christ. And you know, when it doesn't matter what your income level is, what your name is, what popular or unpopular you are, we can still be a church that's bound together with unity. We've got to have unity. I'd like for the world to be amazed at how when I look at those people at Safe Haven Tabernacle. They just enjoy fellowshipping together. They enjoy whatever they do together. There's such a unity there. It doesn't mean that you're all a bunch of robots. doesn't mean you have to think exactly like me. You know what? When it comes to having a board, I don't want board members that think exactly what I'm thinking. Maybe they see something in a different way. You know, in the corporate world, they want to fill a room with everybody that thinks exactly like them. And I've told people at work, I said, I don't want a board that thinks exactly like me because they may see something different. And the kingdom of God's too important to be filled with just yes men that say, yes, pastor, whatever you want, pastor, yes, pastor. I want some that say, you know what? I see your point, but I'm looking at it from this way. And you know something? They may be right. But we need unity. That's what brings us together is unity. Last one is that we need to go forward using our time, our talents, and our treasures for the kingdom of God. You know, I believe time is so short, it's time for us to get busy and do something. God has entrusted you with time, with talents. Talents is money, money. Okay, God is. I hope this uh, the safe haven tabernacle uh, means enough to you that it's worthy of your support. We're trying our best. I'm not getting rich off this. Believe me, Brother Hughes and I are not getting rich off a of safe haven tabernacle. We did not create this in order to have an income or to get wealthy. Because believe it or not, look at what I drive. It's not a Mercedes sitting out there. It's not a Ferrari or a Volvo, I don't know, whatever else. It's junk. But you know what? It's paid for. I think about that. I got to get those bumper stickers. Don't laugh. It's paid for. I'm not making payments on that. Paid cash. Dave Ramsey cars sitting out there. And you know what? God's blessed us. We're not here to get rich. But you know what? I hope Safe Haven Tabernacle is worthy of your support. It costs money. Going to Brookdale Farms, it costs us a little bit of money. It wasn't much. It costs us something. Live nativity costs us something. Some of the things we do, love your neighbor day, costs about $1,000 to feed hot dogs to people. So, uh, love your, uh, uh, our, our live nativity costs almost another $1,000 to reach the lost. It costs something. I hope what you see here is worthy of your support. I hope you use it, you support it with your time, with your talent. You know, and, and with, God's blessed you with talents Use them for the kingdom of God with your treasure. I think I said talent and treasure. I got to mix up. It's your treasures, your money. I hope it's worthy of your support. You've got talents you can use for the kingdom of God. Do it. You know, we can't all play the piano. We can't all sing. We can't all teach. But there's something you can do for the kingdom of God. You know that? There's something that every one of us can do for the kingdom of God. God has a plan for this church. God has a plan for your life. Come on. Help me out here. Where are we going to go in 10 years if the Lord tarries? What's the future hope? Where do we go from here? 
We go on with the anointing. We go on with the burden. We go on with a vision. We go on with unity, using our time, talents, and treasures for the kingdom of God. That's where we're going. Where will you go from here? Where will you go? Let me ask you something personally when it comes to your life. Where will you go from here? What does the future hold for you? You know, if you're lost and you're listening to this, you've got a really dark future, really dark. But if you're saved, you know, the future's as bright as the promises of God. Where would you go from here? I like to talk, where would you be a million years from now? Will you be happy? Will you be saying, where will you be? Where will you go from here? I told him in Sunday school, you know, you could change your future. You can't change the past that's already been done, but today is tomorrow's past. And to, decisions you make today will change your past for tomorrow. What a concept. I think that's great. And will you be happy? Where would you go from here? Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for helping us to pass our 10th anniversary And, Father, if you should bless Safe Haven Tabernacle with many more years, I pray that we would go on with a burden for the lost, with a message, with an anointing. God, give us a vision. Help us to go forward with unity. Help us, oh God, for Safe Haven Tabernacle to be everything that you desire for it to be. Bless each individual that calls calls this their church home. We pray now would you meet us around these altars, we ask, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you come, church? Come on. Let's find a place around these altars.